Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. So I want to start off first by saying that I've been getting a lot more listeners and downloads lately, and it's been a while since I said this, but the intention of this podcast, like the intro, is to master the short-form podcast, but also I've been posting a podcast for 365 days, and I'm on day 290. So this is an experiment to see if you are solely consistent in one thing. Does it provide you the ability to be financially independent? And what is what is the results of it? So when I'm talking about this stuff, I'm finding topics every day. I'm really trying to better understand the podcasting approach. I'm trying to understand the content approach, and I'm trying to get better at it as well. So please keep that in mind. You know, this 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 whole experiment is something. And the date I'm going for is August 6th, but so far it's been great. So I'm gonna go ahead and get in the topic for this evening. But I just want to thank you guys for listening. Show support, please follow on Spotify. Um, always be checking if there's polls on Spotify if need be, and also go find me on uh, Instagram. Give me a follow on Instagram at the Master of None. This has been a phenomenal experience. I've enjoyed every aspect of it, and I'm really loving to see all the positive um, aspects of it. So please go listen, go follow, and enjoy the podcast. I don't know how many of you could probably find El Salvador on a map or within its location or understand the historical context of the country. Whenever we think about everything going on within Salvador, it's really important to understand that it's being spearheaded by one man, the president, Nabib Naib Bukele. So within the episode, we're going to get into his politics and understand why we're seeing so much content online as it relates to these prisons. So let's get into it. So El Salvador has always, within the last 30 years to 40 years, even more, there's always been a violence overshadow that gets casted over the country of El Salvador located in central America with about 6 million within the population. Now, whenever we look at the conflict of El Salvador, we have to understand that in the 80s and 70s, there was a civil war being fought from the FMLN and Arena Party. Now, these are two political parties within El Salvador that were fighting for political power. When we look at the FMLN, it was more of a leftist socialist group. And we look at the Arena Party, and it was more of a conservative group backed by the United States. In a lot of ways, it was a proxy war being fought in Russia. Now, you might say, Master of None, Zach, how do you know? And I actually lived in El Salvador for a period of time, and I worked at a school there kind of when I was in my 20s living in El Salvador trying to get ready to get my resume up for the Peace Corps. Now, for me, it was a very unique experience whenever we talk about um, living in a country, you know, I lived in with a family, actually lived in the shed behind their backyard and they would cook for me. And every day around 12 o'clock, I remember always taking cold showers. It was what, about 16 years ago. 
So I had a really good um, introduction into living in El Salvador, but I was living in the capital, San Salvador. So whenever El Salvador is kind of being created within the media a lot more, we have to understand that there is this connotation that goes in deep into the El Salvadorian culture that relates back to the Civil War. Now, this is a Civil War of only 40 years ago, so it still has a taste in a lot of people's mouths. You know, what we have to understand is there were 75,000 citizens killed in El Salvador. That is more than, than Americans being killed in Vietnam and in uh, Korea. So we look at those, those understandings of the war, and there was a high mortality rate between 1980 in 1992. If you're ever curious about it, I recommend watching a movie called Sin Nombre that kind of breaks down the different concepts that are happening within El Salvador. So the reason why I preface that is like if you're going to understand the true entirety of why El Salvador is changing in terms of their ideas and their political party, it's important to get a feel for that. Next, we have a transition point where we talk about the MS-13. Now, the MS-13 originally started in California, and it was a very bloody gang. And as a result of the United States not knowing what to do with a lot of these gang members that were founded in California, they ended up shipping them back into El Salvador. And in Salvador, we have a situation where I think within 2021, there was 1,500 people killed not related to gang violence. So, And when you think about um, the gang violence within El Salvador. I was there 16 years ago, and it was still very, very prevalent. I mean, it was a very violent country. Everywhere you went, every grocery store you went, every store you went, there's always somebody standing there with a shotgun, arms, and having a very physical presence of being able to shoot somebody if if something was going wrong. While I was there, I actually knew a fellow individual who's working and actually studying Spanish at the same school I was teaching at. He was an, he was actually a British El Salvadorian um, citizen, and he was mugged out of a bus. Someone pulled out a gun. He jumped off. There's a whole situation. So whenever you're in San Salvador, there was always a potential um, undertone of danger. If you hopped on the bus, you know there were certain situations where you could potentially be mugged at any point. That was my personal experience with El Salvador. And sometimes I would go to San Salvador and I would go to Santa Ana, which is a small town and it's very famous for the Lake Lago Guadalupeque, which is very beautiful. But whenever we break it down, it's like you're when I took that bus from San Salvador to Santa Ana, there was always people telling me, hey, you can get mugged on this bus, keep a low profile. You know, there's always an undertone of danger. Peligroso. Like everyone's going to tell you that it's really dangerous within El Salvador. And there's always stories of things happening people being mugged, people being robbed. You know, I talked to one guy. I don't know who they were, but I had dinner with them randomly enough one night. I don't know if they worked for the federal government, the State Department, but they told me a story about how a guy got chopped up in a trash bag and thrown in front of the mall that I was just at. I was like, oh, interesting story. So, there, there's a level of violence there. And anyone who tells you there's not is just out of their mind. Because living in El Salvador has a lot of issues as it relates to gang violence. The MS-13 stretches through Honduras. And you also have the 18th Barrios. And they fight one another all the time. They're murdering each other. And, and in El Salvador, too, it's like if you ever see tattoos, tatuajes, anywhere on people, 
it's a good indicator that they could potentially be a part of a gang. So whenever we look at Naib Bukele, we have to understand that he is actually a little bit of a political outsider, if you will. He comes on the scene in 2017 and founds the party Nuevo Ideas, which just means new ideas, which is a party away from the FMLN and ARENA, where they're considered to be a little bit more conservative, but it's a new forward-facing approach to government. And you see that in his speeches. He's always pointing out the FMLN in ARENA, reminding them of everything they did wrong. So it's a really interesting point because it also kind of transcends into these aspects of Bitcoin and different ideologies they're trying to bring in El Salvador and get away from the old political guard. So when we think about the political context of it, we have a new individual who's only 41 years old utilizing Twitter, social media in a way that's never been utilized and really trying to create a message. So he's using kind of this business mentality because he is known for being a businessman. And what's really interesting about his name, Nami Bukali, when I see it, it's not Latin. Like So so essentially, he looks El Salvadorian, he has the features, but his family originated from Palestine in Israel, and they have a Christian, they're actually Christians. So it's really interesting coming from that type of environment as a Christian. So whenever we get into the actual fat of it, his family actually has wealth, and he was able to kind of skyrocket amongst the stories I'm sorry, amongst the political parties, because he's representing a new idea, a new way, breaking from this FMLN and ARENA situation where you have these two parties that are constantly fighting each other. Now, when we think about these prisons and what's going on, these prisons really aren't new. What's new is he's been building more. So in a lot of ways, what's really interesting about the prisons is before you had due process with the MS-13, you didn't have a situation where people were coming and just locking you up. And I remember being in El Salvador, you could not go out the street at night, you couldn't open the door at night, and we would go in certain situ areas where there was MS-13 painted all over the walls, and I would have to put my head down so nobody knew that there was a white guy in the car. So that was the type of situation that the average person was saying. So you have him coming in here, and right now, it's no surprise to me that he's a 91 approval rate within El Salvador because of the the nature of danger, the nature of violence. So he's kind of creating these prisons, and he's putting a lot of these El Salvadorian MS-13s in these prisons without due, without due process. So he's jumping a step, and he's really like locking down on the military police state in order to provide some order. Now, he's getting a lot of resistance from human rights groups, but I would bet that the majority of those human rights groups don't live in El Salvador. They're not living in the day-to-day -day life of what it's like to live there. Because I would bet you anything, you know, I, I listened to this interview from um, on Al Jazeera's from Human Rights Watch talking about it, and the woman's like, I don't even live in El Salvador, yet she's commenting on these situations. And I find that really interesting because you, you, if you have to drive in El Salvador, if you have to hop on the bus in El Salvador, my mentality 16 years ago was like, I could get robbed at any moment. And I knew that anytime I would move, anytime I would be in a situation at night, I couldn't walk around at night. And imagine living that life as a normal family. And I know some families, and you know, and it would be so difficult because you couldn't even walk down the road to get bread at night because of the, the fact that the MS-13 was there. I mean, I remember when I was in Santa Ana, I was staying there for a period of time and literally... 
the MS-13 came out on New Year's and started firing guns into the air, right? I mean, that's how much lawlessness was going on there. So when you look at him, you can see how he's 91% approval rate. He's cracking down on criminal activities, and he's trying to stimulate the economy. Now, the reason why this is so successful is they haven't had a president like this in a really like long time, and he's the first president from a third party in like 30 or 40 years. He's not FMLN. He's not Arena. He's the party of new ideas, and it's creating a tone within the country, and it's so much so that I had a conversation with an individual from Honduras not too long ago, and he was telling me how safe it was in El Salvador, and he was going to go vacation there, which to hear that is just crazy. The fact that people are really starting to believe that, I mean, I don't know personally, but it's, they say that the murder rate now is down, and there hasn't been any criminal murders within the last week, which is the first time this has ever happened. So as a, result, as a result of using the strong-arm approach to dealing with these criminal organizations, it could potentially have an impact. Now, there could be a lot of human rights issues with it, and I completely understand that. You know, getting away from the rule of law and just using a, almost like a, you'd call it like a totalitarian or a martial law approach to the law is extreme. But you can imagine, you know, I saw a lot of stuff there and it doesn't surprise me that this is the measure somebody is willing to take in order to stop this gang violence. And I don't know how good the intelligence is from these police forces to find the right people or if they're wrongfully incarcerating, carcerate, wrongfully imprisoning the people that are, have no affiliation with these gangs. But these gangs go to these prisons too, and it's also a university. Like, if you're part of the MS-13 and maybe you get booked for stealing something, you actually go into these prisons and learn more about how to become a better criminal. So that's what is the flip side also about these environments. And, you know, hopefully, you know, I don't know how you would attack a problem like this at, this at the same time of maintaining due diligence because a lot of El Salvadorians would give up the simple fact of a less murder rate a safer country than worrying about if people are being wrongfully justice or even if people are dying within prison. Um, a lot of El Salvadorians, while I was there 16 years ago, were fed up with the MS-13. They wanted to change. They wanted to be able to an environment where they could go out at night and not have to worry about the ramifications of gang violence. You know, gang violence at a level that we haven't even seen. You know, and we look at a lot of these these countries like this, and maybe the police force wasn't even as strong as the, the MS-13 or the Barrios 18, these violent, because they had more money. They were able to put more research, resources into what they were doing, and the police were scared of dealing with them. You know, I heard stories, too, there, where there would be, like, these undercover police units that would go out and shoot them and um, try to target MS-13 back then, and they would potentially be imprisoned or wrongfully accused from it. So... There are stories like that, but I think when you look at it, I mean, from the article I'm reading, the 91 approval rating is pretty insane, and you look at kind of what has happened within the murder rates, it's, it's, it's down, but what they were saying is that there's, there's about 1,500 people that were being killed out of 6 million. Now, that's a pretty high murder rate for such a small country. I mean, if we look at the murder rate of Chicago, they've recorded 697 homicides 
back in 2022, and the population is around 2 million. So it gives you an idea that 1,500 out of 6 million is pretty extreme for a country as, as a whole that's, that's small. I mean, El Salvador is small. It's smaller than Massachusetts. It's one of the smallest states. So it's a very condensed population. So that gives you insight into how high this murder rate was. So I think more to come on it. You know, the Bitcoin stuff is interesting. Well, as I can get into that later. But I really wanted to paint the picture of the violence in El Salvador and why this president is doing new things and why he's getting away from the old policy. I hope it was helpful. Please like and follow. Um, and I appreciate all the support. And please follow me on Instagram at the Master of None. I'm always looking for content ideas. So if you guys want to reach out to me on Instagram, please do. And we'll get back to you tomorrow.